0: Winnie the Pooh said this. Don't y'all love Winnie the Pooh? I do too. A.A. A. Milne was a genius. Anyway, Winnie the Pooh said this. Before beginning a hunt, it is wise to ask someone what you're looking for before you begin looking for it. Now, you see, y'all, it went right over some people's head. All right. Winnie the Pooh said, before you begin a hunt, it is wise to ask someone what you're looking for before you start looking for it. Makes sense. We're on a hunt. Every person. Every single person is on a quest. You're looking for something. You're looking for something, and and sometimes what you're hunting for, you don't even know what it is. You're looking for something that's going to dig deep down into the depths of who you are and give you joy, give you peace, give you hope. Uh, you, You ask people, what are you looking for? Ask you too, they still haven't found what they're looking for. But, oh, y'all, y'all, that's good. You too doesn't know what they're looking for? Still haven't found it? Some just want to know what love is. I could do this all day, I won't. Some, some are looking for love. If, if I can just find love, the right kind of love, the unique kind of love that'll do something for me, then I'll be okay. That's what I need. Or some people would say, I, I'm looking for joy in the midst of, of such a crazy world. I'm looking for order in the midst of chaos. Or Some would say, uh, and they don't say this out loud in today's uh, culture because it's not as couth as it once was. Some would say, I'm just looking for more money. A better job, more satisfying moments. I was uh, at a neighborhood party yesterday and, and uh, one of the younger people said, you know, I've got this job, but that's not really what I'm looking for. I, I want, I want uh, something more than just a job. I want something to live for. See, I think if you, no matter how you describe it, no matter how you define it, I think everybody is searching for Life. Life. The life that is substantive. The life that is that that, that is filled with a content that literally satisfies your soul. A, a content that wakes you up every morning with joy and puts you bet, to bed at night with hope and peace. We're looking for life. Not just living and breathing. Not just getting through the day. Not just having a career or um, a, a marriage or children or grandchildren. By the way, I have to. It's been a while, let me remind you. I have two granddaughters. My oldest granddaughter, her name is Nora. My youngest granddaughter, her name is Lucy said that it's her name, Lucy. That's right. And, and, you know, and those are, and look, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with looking for love as long as you're not doing it in the wrong places. Come on. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Anyway, I, I could go deeper, but then I would reveal some of the music that I have listened to in my life, and I, I'm afraid that might topple me off the pedestal if you have me on one, right? Um, but we, we listen to our heart telling us we need something more to this life. We, we do. We do. We, we want something that is of substance. We want life. And if you didn't know it, and if this is your first time here, I'm getting ready. This isn't a Jesus juke. That's something we talked about at Staff Intensive this past week. This is just real truth, okay? If you want life, the only place you're going to get it is in Jesus, I'm short-circuiting the whole rhetoric of doing it. I just want to tell you what I think. I want to tell you what the Bible says. I want to tell you what God has revealed to us. The only way you're going to get the stuff that you're looking for, it's not going to come through a job. It's not going to come through a song. It's not going to come through more money. It's not going to come through a relationship uh, or a better relationship or a different relationship. The only way you're going to have life is in the person of Jesus because that's what Jesus came to give. In John chapter 1, the very first beginning part of this story of Jesus called John's gospel, John wrote, in Jesus was life, and that life enlightened every person. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and if you follow me, you will dwell in that light, and you'll never live in darkness again. You'll have life. In John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 10, he said, I have come to give you life. And you might have it supercharged the kind of life that wakes you up in the joy uh, wakes you up every morning with joy and puts you to bed at night with peace and Jesus came to give us life if you want life you got to get to Jesus so no matter where you're from no matter what your background no matter what your history no matter what your religious affiliation or tradition or past no matter how bad your sins have been No matter how checkered your past may be. Today, you can have life. If you get to Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, we see this call to follow Jesus. And and I want you to understand why there is this call to follow Jesus. Mark chapter 8 verse 31 Jesus describes why he existed, why he was walking around. Now, here's what we know about Jesus, what the Bible tells about Jesus. Jesus existed before time began. He is God himself. Colossians 1 says he's the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the unique one from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God. Jesus became flesh and bone. He became a human being. Why would God let go the royal robes of heaven to take hold Of the skin of humanity now Philippians 2 says that that uh, Jesus being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God yet he made himself of no reputation he took the form of a servant and came in the likeness of a man and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself to the point of death became obedient to the point of death even death On the cross, Jesus came to die. That's what what he said in Mark 8, 31. When he was talking to his disciples, he said, this is my mission. He began to teach them many things, that the Son of Man, Jesus is the Son of Man, that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, be killed, and three three days later rise again. Now, that, that mission didn't fit the disciples' mentality. They, they were looking for something, but it wasn't that. They weren't, they weren't looking to follow someone that was going to die. And what's this three days later rise again business? That's just, that's just crazy. So Peter comes up and he says, uh, uh, G- uh, mm, 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 mm. Jesus, Ixnay on that ish and may. <laughs> he says, stop talking like that. Romans 8, I mean, Mark 8, 32 says that Peter rebuked Jesus, tried to put him back in his place without even understanding. See, the disciples, they looked at the Messiah not as someone that would die. They looked at the Messiah as someone that would restore Israel's earthly glory, that would would bring an end to Roman domination, that would inaugurate a new and golden age of Israel's um, uh, uh, kingdom. They cast it in religious words and phrases, but bottom line was they, were, they saw Jesus as the purveyor of political power that would bring them to a good place. And Jesus rebuked Peter. He turned around and he said, Peter, get behind me, you Satan. Because your mind is filled with stuff of this, not the stuff of God. You're focused on your own stuff. You're not focused on God's stuff. And Jesus, by implication, said that he was focused on God's stuff. And what was God's stuff? Jesus came to give life to those who are dead in sin. Jesus came to give life to you and to me. And the key to getting hold of that life is to follow Jesus. So Jesus invites you today, I mean right here, right now. Jesus invites you to follow him. Jesus invites you and me to follow him. Now can I give you a definition, quick definition of what it means to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus, another term for it is to be a disciple, but to follow Jesus means our every affection. All of our attention, our absolute allegiance is to the will of Jesus as the way of life. Now think about this. Uh, What it means to follow Jesus is that I let go everything else that would direct my steps and I look to Jesus alone to direct my steps. It means that I let go my heart's desires for Christ's desires it means that i determine that i will have a radical departure from self and take hold the savior his name is jesus to follow jesus means that our every affection all of our attention our absolute allegiance is to the will of jesus as our way To live. There's no caveat to that. You don't get to insert your own addendum that says, well, yeah, every affection except for this one affection. All my attention except for when I'm focused on other things. All my allegiance, absolute allegiance, except when I'm aligned with myself, devoted to myself. Now, we don't get to do that caveat. That's not following Jesus anymore. You're going to say, well, good gracious, how does that give you life? Sounds to me like you're putting yourself in a place of subservience. Well, you are to the one who holds the key to life. So as we look at Mark 8, 34 through 38, we're going to look at how Jesus invites us to follow him and how that following him leads us to life all right so here's what jesus said when jesus called the people to himself with the disciples also he said to them all right so red letter in your copy of scripture probably red letter mine's red letter jesus begins to speak it says whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What will it profit a person if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? What will a man, a person, give in exchange for his own soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus invites us to follow him, and he begins with the invitation, the call to follow him. The call to follow Jesus. We see this in verse 34. He calls the disciples and the crowd to himself. So it's a word for disciples, the 12 that were closely following him, along with the multitudes that were uh, Not closely following, but but hanging out with him. He called him to himself, and he said, now, let me invite you to follow me. He says, if anyone desires to come after me. A couple of things about this invitation, this call to follow Jesus. If you're here in the room, Jesus offers the invitation to you. You don't have to have a certain pedigree. You don't have to have a certain knowledge. You don't have to have a certain uh, a, a certain look or a, a, a certain background. If anyone means anyone, anyone, anyone here, anyone here. If you want to follow Jesus, the invitation is open to you. Now remember what I'm saying and what I think God's Word tells us is If we're going to have life, the stuff that you really want, the satisfaction of your soul, if you want to uh, wake up every morning with joy, go to bed tonight with peace and comfort and hope, then then I think you've got to follow Jesus. The only way to get to, to life is through Jesus. And the only way we get to Jesus is by following Him. So I think there's pretty good news for us that Jesus says, okay, well, it's not an exclusive club. You want to follow me? Follow me. The invitation is open. The call to follow Jesus is for anyone here. But you've got to want it. Without getting into the deep theology of the desire that that Jesus... If anyone desires that desire... Uh, without getting into the deep theology of it, I think that God really sparks that desire in us. I think that there is this journey where where uh, we see the lack in our own life, and God begins to work in our heart by His Holy Spirit to, uh, to tune our desire for Him. But regardless, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to want it. The term desire there literally means you've got to pursue, you've got a purpose, you've, you've got to... Uh, 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 to, to want it. I think many people try to do religious things with, a, with, with this inclination that they're going to uh, somehow get a hold of life because they're doing religious things. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The, the call to follow him is an open invitation for those who want it. But when he talks about the call, he also talks About the cost to follow him. There is a cost to follow Jesus. Again, verse 34, if anyone desires to come after me, let him, and here comes the cost. You want to follow Jesus, here's the cost of it. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. You're not following Jesus if you don't have those three verbs as prominent in your heart, your life, your lifestyle. Following Jesus means first we deny ourselves. He's not saying give up something for Lent. That's not what he's talking about. When he says deny yourself, he says abandon your dreams, your ambitions, your hopes, everything that you create for yourself, abandon that and take hold of him. It is a radical, Severing of our desire for ourselves and a radical embracing of our desire for Jesus. Deny yourself means that the most important thing in your life is not you or your friends or your family or your finances. I means the most important thing in your life if you deny yourself or Jesus. <laughs> the most important thing in your life is Jesus. You let go the other and you take hold of Jesus. Deny yourself. Not only do you deny, your, deny yourself, but it also denying self means taking up your cross. Now taking up your cross is not bearing a heavy burden. Oh, we've all got our cross to bear. No, no, no. To take up your cross means that you take up the instrument of death. Where you die to yourself, and you become alive to God. Where you are willing to die for Jesus. And you live every day like you're willing to die for Jesus. Jesus. The cross isn't some sentimental figure in uh, the history of Christianity. The cross is the instrument of torture and death and suffering. The third verb is follow Jesus. So Jesus says if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, then you've got to deny yourself, you've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. Now, what you don't see in the English, but, but what is there in the Greek, and, and so we're going to have a grammar lesson. Y'all like grammar? Man, I love grammar. When I was in fifth grade, I had Mrs. Robbins, she taught me about grammar, she taught me how to diagram sentences, I've been diagramming sentences ever since. I know it's a little weird, but it's, it's me. I love grammar, love it well if you remember it, there are different tenses of verbs so there's a past tense and there's a present tense and there's a future tense right y'all got that i will do something i am doing something i did something right past tense present tense future tense the first two verbs in verse 34 deny yourself take up your cross the first two verbs are in the aorist tense, A-O-R-I-S-T, past tense, talking about a point in time. So what Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then there needs to be a point in time where you resolve to do this. You will, at this point in time, deny yourself. You will, at this point in time, take up your cross And those two verbs are past tense. So it's talking about this moment where you cross a line, where you you cross the Rubicon, where you uh, cross that point where everything changes from that point forward. It's what happened to me when I was 11 years old. And I was sitting on the back row on a Sunday night at Lockwood Baptist Church, 11001 Garland Road in Dallas, Texas. It was Sunday night, we were having church, not like our 5 o'clock worship, which is a unique worship service uh, that is uh, like our Sunday morning services. Back in the day, and I need to talk to people, there was a time where we did Sunday night church on the regular. And it was, it, what would happen is, you everybody would come on Sunday morning, and then everybody would come back on Sunday night. And we had this thing called training union. Before worship and training union is where you have a little discipleship moment. Uh, we also had a, a youth choir on Sunday night. So youth didn't have training union, although we probably needed it more. But didn't have training union, had, had youth choir. And then we would go to worship. Okay, And that was everybody. Well, it was Sunday night and I'd been kicked out of youth choir. I'm sitting on the back row, waiting for worship to begin. And there just, I was feeling some kind of something. And uh, not because I was kicked out of youth choir. That didn't bother me. But there was something bothering me. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm like, man, just something, something's not right. And uh, church begins, worship begins, and my dad Stands up to preach. I don't, my dad's the pastor, and I don't remember anything he said. have no idea what he preached on. All I know is while he's preaching, I'm sitting on the back row, and I'm reflecting on who I am as an 11-year-old kid. I'd been, I'd been doing everything that I knew to do to be right. Have you ever done that? Where you do, do everything you know to do to be right. I'm, and I was doing it, man, except getting kicked out of youth choir. But... Other than that, I was doing it. I, uh, uh, again, kind of old school. What would happen, uh, like on Sunday morning, you go to Sunday school. It wasn't life group. It was Sunday school. You'd go to Sunday school, and they would give you an envelope. Well, it, that, that envelope had uh, eight little boxes, seven or eight boxes that you would check. One of the boxes, I, I read my Bible every day. Check. I memorized my scripture. Check. I'm going to worship. Check. I give my tithe. Check. I studied my Sunday school lesson. Check. 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 And in my 11-year-old mind, I thought, well, as long as I'm checking those boxes, I'm cool with God, and God is cool with me. Everything's great. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was, and I was, man, that was my way of life. Now, I'm looking back, and I see that's what I was doing. I didn't see it then. I just knew that I was trying to be right. So every day I would memorize scripture, every day I would, I would read the Bible and I'd write down some notes and I was doing this over and over and over again, I'm thinking this is going to be okay, but I'm sitting on the back row and I'm recognizing again that there's an emptiness inside of me that won't go away. I was living but I didn't have life because I was still holding on to me as the source of getting life. Until that night, as an 11-year-old boy, God just kind of confronted me, not kind of, God confronted me and said, you're trying to build life for yourself, and it's not working. No matter how religious you're going to be, you're still going to be empty because you haven't found life because you don't have Jesus. And on that night, before the sermon was over, I crossed the line. I determined, awakened by the Spirit of God, I determined that I was going to deny self. I was going to turn away from self and sin, and I was going to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to give me life. That his death on the cross was payment for my sin to make me forgiven and fit for God's family. That his resurrection from the dead was what I needed to take away the emptiness inside me and give me a new heart, a new life real life and i crossed that line and i denied myself and i took up my cross i said jesus i give you everything i'm dead to me i'm alive to you i give you my everything i'm ready to live for you i'm ready to die for you this is me 11 year old boy and i crossed that line in that point in time and i became a follower of jesus many of you have done that some of you haven't if you haven't done that there's no way you can get hold of life there has to be that crossing the line of faith to experience life to get hold of Jesus but Jesus doesn't stop with the past tense he comes into the present tense the present tense and follow me that's present tense he says if you want to come after me, then here's what you got to do. you got to deny yourself. you got to take up your cross. And you must follow me. Keep on following me. And following Jesus means that we, every day, determine that we're going to deny ourselves and we're going to take up our cross. That's what Luke is talking about. In Luke 22, he said, Jesus, uh, the same scenario. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then you've got to deny yourself daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So as a follower of Jesus, who point in time you have become part of God's family through faith in Christ, you cross the line, you became a follower of Jesus. Now what do you do? You keep on following Jesus by waking up every morning, denying yourself so that, and waking up every morning and taking up your cross. It's where you decide, you breathe, you live this way, every ounce of my attention All of my affection, with absolute allegiance, the will of Jesus is my way of life. I keep on following him. At the exclusion of my desire, to the exclusion of my will, to the exclusion of my wants, now my singular desire is what Jesus wants. Friends, that's what it means to follow him. Following Jesus is not like asking someone out for a date and going on. It, following Jesus isn't a pickup game, a basketball. Following Jesus isn't going to play golf for a day, going with Jesus, not like, uh, uh, following Jesus is not like having a fishing trip. Following Jesus is not a hobby, nor is it a part-time moment. Following Jesus isn't, Uh, taking a hot minute and doing some service in the church or through the church or some other charitable organization and say there it is I've done my thing no that's what an 11 year old kid does on the back row checking his boxes and still being empty following Jesus is all of you all the time for Jesus for life that's following Jesus and that's the cost Jesus said you won't follow me here's what it takes he gives us a call to follow him. Then he gives us the cost to follow him, but then he gives us the value, the eternal value of following him. You see, the eternal value of following him, if, uh, I don't know if you're an iPhone user, but if you are an iPhone user, I don't know if you know this, but they have a new iPhone out. It's number 22 or 17, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but suppose your iPhone is broken and it doesn't work. doesn't work and you get a call from the store and they say hey listen we've got a brand new iphone and we're going to give it to you no strings attached you don't have to be part of our plan you don't have to register anything we're not going to keep any digital information on you all we want to do is give you this brand new iphone Bring in your broken one. We'll take your broken iPhone and we'll give you a brand new one. No strings attached. You just get a brand new phone. And here's what Jesus offers. Bring me your broken life. And I'll give you the best life. Bring me what's broken, what's not working. You bring that to me. You've tried to do it your way. It doesn't work. Now just bring it to me. Trust Jesus with your life and entrust your life to Jesus. And he takes that broken down life that is ours and he replaces it with life itself. Look at verse 35 through 38. He says he says whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So, simple. You want to be a follower of Jesus, but you're still trying to hold on to your way of life as your will as the way of life, you're going to lose life. You're not going to get hold of it. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to have contentment. You're not going to go to bed With uh, peace and wake up with joy because you're still trying to make your will the centerpiece of your life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, he'll save it. If we trade in the junk of our life and take hold the treasure of what Jesus offers, he will give us exactly what we were hunting for and didn't know it we will have life now you might try to save your own dreams and ambitions and desires make that kind of centerpiece and put a Jesus as an addendum well he wants me to do this but you know I really want to do something else so that's how I'm going to live you can try to do that but the end result is going to be a hot mess (laughs) But if you relinquish your life, deny self, take up your cross, follow Jesus every day, you will get hold of life, the kind of life that deep down you've always wanted. And definitely the kind of life you've always needed. I think one of the reasons why we get this all messed up is because we are so consumed with following our heart. You know, we can make fun of it, and I'm not making fun of it. I think it's the philosophy of our day. And it's been the philosophy of our day since Genesis chapter 3. That's been a long time. Following your heart means that um, we commit, I commit, that every attention, all my affection, my absolute allegiance, is to the will of Eric as the way of life. And Jesus says, if we're going to follow him and find life, then every affection, all my attention, my absolute allegiance is to the will of Jesus as my way of life. See the difference there? You've been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus. He's brought you into his family. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new DNA. He's given you a new way of life. And that way of life is abandoning your your former life, your your, um, right to determine how to live. Now this is making some people uncomfortable. I know it is. You are relinquishing your right to determine how you live. and you're taking hold of the will of Jesus with absolute allegiance, this is the way I must live. And it affects your relationships, and it affects your job, and it affects uh, what you do at school. It it, it, It affects every aspect of your life. There's no piece of your life that is outside of the will of Jesus and how you are to behave and how I'm to behave. But it all begins in that moment where God in His grace opens your eyes to see your need for Jesus. That there is an emptiness inside you that you cannot shake. And you don't know what you're hunting for, but man, you need an answer to that that hunt. You, You need an answer to the quest and the question of your soul. And God in His grace shows you Jesus and the power of His love And that while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. And God does his mighty work of grace in your life to spark in your heart the faith and the courage to believe on Jesus. And you cross the Rubicon. You cross the line. You deny yourself. You let go of your former ambitions and your former desires. You let go of those things and you take hold of Jesus. You lose your life. You take hold of Jesus, and he gives you everything you wanted and more. I I think Jim Elliott, I I don't know if you've read about Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary a long time ago, um, and he, as a young man, determined that God was calling him on mission and he went on mission uh, to an island uh, that was known for being inhabited by cannibals and headhunters, people who had never ever heard the gospel and God called Jim Elliot to that island to preach the good news and people asked him, "Why would you go to such a dangerous and terrible place and he said exactly what it means to follow Jesus he said he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose he is a fool he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose let go my life to take hold of the life. You know, when it's all said and done, if I were to sum up, following Jesus, discipleship. Following Jesus is every my every affection, all my attention, my absolute allegiance. is devoted to Jesus, His will, as the way that I live. Friends, as a follower of Jesus, stop following your heart. Start following Jesus. Let's pray. Now you're here today, and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you've been confronted today by the words of Jesus and and maybe you're like I was when I was 11, sitting on the back row of that church. You're sitting in, in your seat right now, and you sense this disconnect between you and life. You want it, but you don't have it. And even now, God, by His grace, is opening your eyes to see that you've been trying to be a moral person, a religious person, a do-gooder, a do-better person, a karma person, or a religious person trying to do anything that you can to shake the emptiness of your life. And God says today to you, follow Jesus. Deny yourself and take up your cross. If that's the desire of your heart, I encourage you to do today what I did as an 11-year-old back then. About this time in the worship gathering on that Sunday night, music began to play and I went down, and I took hold of my daddy's hand, and I said, Daddy, I need Jesus. And he led me on a journey of becoming a follower of Jesus, and I crossed the line. Today, I want to encourage you to do the same thing, and there'll be ministers here at the front. If, if, if it's your desire to, uh, to deny self and take up your cross, to be a follower of Jesus for the very first time I encourage you to come to one of the ministers here and they'll help you on that journey or you can go to the next step station at the end of the service and say today I need to follow Jesus I need, I need, to, I need to cross that line I encourage you to do that if you are a follower of Jesus right now already a follower of Jesus you've already crossed the line uh, of faith, you've crossed your own spiritual Rubicon, you, you are now a follower of Jesus, but you recognize in your own life that you're a follower of Jesus who's not really following Jesus. Whether it's your um, ideas about your own social concerns or your economic concerns, your political concerns, your relational concerns... Your emotional concerns, all those things are trumping. They're they're getting in the way. They've become obstacles between you and following Jesus. You've elevated your desires, and you have diminished the will of Jesus. You're not denying yourself. You're not taking up your cross. You're not ready to live and ready to die. You are living for yourself. If that's you as a follower of Jesus, then I ask you, I invite you, I beg you, please repent today. See, the Apostle Paul ended the service last week with this quote, ended today, Galatians I, I 2.20, I think Paul had in mind what it means to follow Jesus, deny self, take up cross when he said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and that. The life that I live now in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. O follower of Jesus, I beg you today, may Paul's words be your lifestyle. Father in heaven, I pray that you would draw to yourself those whom you are calling for salvation. I pray that you would lead your children even today. To a new awareness of what it means to follow you. I pray that our every affection. All of our attention. Our absolute allegiance. Would be for Jesus. His will. As our way of life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.